Hey everyone, before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you to all the listeners so far of the Tree City Sports Podcast. Uh, today we're doing a World Cup podcast, and Andrew's not involved, not because he didn't want to be, but just because uh, we have another friend of ours that's coming in to be a co-host today. Just going to let you know that uh, he's been a longtime friend of ours, he definitely he knows his stuff. So uh, yeah, today we're going to be talking World Cup, we're going to be talking our predictions we're going to be talking the groups and uh just any other major headlines that have happened along the way appreciate the listens and before the podcast starts a reminder to check out treecityrecords.com that's treecityrecords.com for all the latest both music content from our from the group and they also have our podcast listed up on there uh thank you so much and uh let's get into it all right, everyone, we're back here, and like I said, this is a different edition of the Tree City Podcast. I'm Graham Moen, and today, the long-awaited debut, I'm going to intro him a little bit. You know him as MCO on the mixtapes. He just came out with some new music, but not only is he a rapper and an artist, he is a big-time sports fan and a big-time soccer fan, which is what we're talking about. Olam, what's going on, my man? Hey, what up, guys? It's your boy, Monolithic. Olam, y'all know me. Uh, me and Graham decided to do a little World Cup uh, soccer, a uh, little podcast, uh, you know, just because we are always talking about soccer. Andrew and Graham got their little, uh, you know, football. Uh, football uh, and basketball. Football, basketball. We can't talk about baseball because of Andrew's work. But um, they got their podcast, so we just thought uh, with the World Cup going on, it'd be a good idea to do a little podcast and give you guys some more content. Uh, so, yeah. And this isn't just going to be a World Cup thing, hopefully. Uh, I'm calling this red and blue because Olam is a Manchester United fan when it comes to Premier League soccer, which is the main uh, league that we both watch, and I'm a Manchester City fan. So we're on different sides of the rivalry. We're still, we're still able to be friends, even though the derby didn't turn out the way <laughs> I wanted to earlier this year. But a quick side note, great derby. All time great. Great derby. derby. Even though City great. lost, it was a great derby. And honestly, it's good when Manchester United and Manchester City are both good. It gives us some, something to talk about later on. That's for the club discussions. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the World Cup starts tomorrow. We have yes. the opening match. I'm we have excited. Russia versus Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Yes. So that'll be interesting. Uh, just, we're going to kind of just go through each of the groups one by one. We're not going to go through every single game of each group. because That would be crazy. Yeah, that would, t- that would t- literally take us like an hour and a half, maybe longer. But we're going to just talk about the groups, go through them. And then at the end of it, we're going to pick each two teams from each group that we think are going to make it through to the knockout stage. And then we'll come back periodically, probably once the knockout stage is uh, getting close, like when we're in the last game of the group stage, to see, just in case there's any uh, potential... Like what competition? Like any potential spots? Yeah, for the second thing. yeah. If there's any like you know crazy game ones or anything, we'll probably podcast. Yeah, if there's upsets, like yeah. if like if Russia uh, like if Russia beats Uruguay or something. <laughs> yeah, something crazy. <laughs> or like one of the big teams that we're going to discuss is like in danger of missing out of yeah. the group stage. Like we've had it a couple of years. We've had it, it was Italy like eight years ago last World Cup. It was England. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like any of those big nations that wouldn't make it that might not make it out so and there's always one every year there's yep. always one big nation that for some reason just things don't go their way it might be spain <laughs> yeah it might be spain and that's going to be a big thing we discuss <laughs> which we'll get into but um yeah uh the i'm really excited for this world cup personally uh you know russia rigged the whole thing but it's all good i'm super <laughs> <laughs> i'm still super excited uh opening game tomorrow is it's late it's about to be fun 
yeah, I mean, I hope it's something that's really just, I, I've been really getting into soccer the past few years, especially I've been, I started watching premier league back in like 2014 when Manchester city had the crazy, uh, comeback against, uh, Queens Park Rangers, the big, the whole Aguero <laughs> that everyone knows. That's when I started becoming a really big soccer fan. So this is the first time I've got to experience World Cup just with everybody. The Euros, obviously Portugal won the Euros. They did a great job, but it's World Cup now. It's brand new territory. There's plenty of teams from South America that are going to be challenges and the African teams as well. So let's get into Group A. Group A, we have the host country, Russia. We have Saudi Arabia. We have Egypt, and we have Uruguay. Yes. So I think we should start with Uruguay just because Uruguay is the top team in this group. They're known for being one of the better teams. They have a lot of different uh, – they've a lot. They've always had a lot of different good players. Mm. Uh, yeah, like who's the biggest – Let's go. Uh, let's filter it by position here. Filter by position. Perfect. All right. So where do you want to start? You want to start from the back or you want to start from the front? Well, let's start from the front. Um, All right, so let's start. We're starting forwards. Uh, I mean, we have t- they have two of the best ones. Yeah, I mean they're older guys, but you have uh, Luis Suarez of uh, FC I mean, Barcelona, who had a substandard year by his years, and he still had a great year. Yeah, by his standards. And then we have a uh, PSG Paris Saint Germain's uh, striker Edison Cavani. So those are two big strong guys. Uh, I don't know much about these other guys. Do you know anything about them? Uh let's see here. Uh, no, I don't actually. Um, I have, I have no idea who they are for real. Yeah. Um, to get it from the beginning, we don't know every single player of this. We're not major. We are soccer that. fans, but we are by no way fanatics. We know our basic stuff, but we're not memorizing every team. Like, uh, like we watch premier league. We both watch Spanish soccer league. I, I watch a little bit of the German league. We know about the Italian league. So we'll know those players, but if they're from, not from that league, apologize we just we just don't haven't done we don't know them that much yeah and you know most i'm sure most of the listeners who know us they know what we're about so y'all won't be expecting crazy fanatic type of stuff here but uruguay is i mean they're gonna be dangerous like no question yeah i mean are they you think they're gonna play a front two or do you think they're gonna go with just uh just one of them and then rotate honestly that's a good question honestly I don't know, because I know Suarez likes to have a lot of room to operate, but he's kind of had to get used to not on his team. You know what I mean? Having to operate, like, around all of those superstars, you kind of get used to it. So I don't really know if it would be, like, a big deal to have Kalani up there with him. But that that being said, uh, I don't really – I'm not 100% sure what formation they play. So yeah. I they don't put out that they don't put out that information and these things like what they're playing. <laughs> um, if I had to guess, they probably I'm assuming they probably play four at the back like most teams do. There's only a few teams really in the World Cup that won't that will do that. They will play less than four and play a three back line or even a five back line. That's I think England does that. Yeah, England plays a five back line, but that's pretty rare. That was so. out of necessity for the past couple of years. Yeah, that. and it, Olam's a big England fan too, so we'll know <laughs> more about that as well. But uh, yeah, their midfield like the players I know, I know. Lucas Torreira, I know Bentecourt, I know Laxalt. So, I mean, they don't have a very strong midfield. So, I almost... A lot of young guys. Yeah, a lot of young guys. This is a pretty young team except for... And and then their strikers up front are older, but their midfield's very young. So, that's going to be interesting based on just uh, just how they play. Your Uruguay has always been one of the better teams in the world. They're probably a top 10 team in the world. But uh, they are getting older. 
and they have they don't have guys with as much experience. Like going in, but then their defenders, they have two guys that I'm very aware of, uh, Diego Godin and Jose Marie Jimenez. Both, I think both of them, one of them plays for Atletico Madrid, and I forget where Diego Godin plays. I think he plays for Atletico Madrid as well. He, he no, does he? Um, that's a good question. I'm gonna look but, it up real quick. The thing, the thing that uh, interests me about Uruguay is that they're always like a very solid team when it comes to national play. Even though like like a lot of teams will have like down years where they like falter, Uruguay's pretty consistently solid. Um, but it but it all really kind of goes through how their forwards are doing. If if Suarez is doesn't show up, then the team's not really going to operate. So it kind of uh, boils down to how well uh, the forwards show. Right, they're 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 kind of top heavy when it comes to their talent. Yeah. So maybe that's what maybe they would play Cavani and Suarez together just because uh, they both can create for themselves and make it a little bit easier for the midfield, and that way maybe the midfield can drop back a little bit and help that defense. Although the the two center backs they have Diego Godin and Jose Marie Jimenez, and I confirmed Diego Godin is Atletico Madrid, so okay. they're teammates, so they're familiar with each other, so that'll be good for just knowing tendencies and spacing and things like that. So they'll know each player's strengths. Yeah. But uh, Diego Godin is 32. And for soccer purposes, 32 is getting up in age. That's Very kind of past old. your prime. Probably his last World Cup. Yeah. I mean, every every four years, unless you're like a goalkeeper or one of the better players of all time, like yeah. Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo, even that, even then we don't know that for a fact because those guys are getting up there in age. Yeah. And Lionel Messi already has retired once. Yeah. So And his national play hasn't been the yeah. best, but we all know this. But oh, Guillermo Varela from uh, Valencia – is also in there. He's going to be a, he's a fullback. Now, some of these terms fullback is like a defender is like the right and left backs. If you're playing four. So there's a right back and left back. That's what fullbacks are center backs. are the two guys in the middle. If we, if once the formations change, if I know the formation, I'll let you know as listeners, like what that position would be. But basically Godin and Jose Maria Jimenez are in the middle. And then you have uh, Varela and then you're going to have Pereira or Silva playing on the, other side so i mean uruguay has a good chance to get out of this group they're not i don't know if they're the strongest team but there are other teams there's other the other teams in this world cup are not the strongest or in this group specifically are not the strongest so uh we're not going to go through every single world cup like i said or every single team so uh we're going to talk about egypt yeah and the reason we're going to talk about egypt is because they have probably the most polarizing player this past year in uh, Premier League and possibly in the top five divisions. Uh, obviously, we know his name, Mohamed Salah. The legend. Yeah, I mean, he scored 40 goals, almost 40 goals for Liverpool this year, uh, got, getting Liverpool to the Champions League final where they lost to Real Madrid. Not because, but it wasn't his fault because early in the game he got uh, injured on tackle by Sergio Ramos. Dirty. Which, which yeah, you could argue is dirty. Uh I'm not. I don't want to spew all that, but yeah, Egypt is not known always for being a huge powerhouse, but they do have Mohamed Salah on their team. He is going to be back in time. He had a shoulder injury, but he will be back in time for the World Cup. So that's good news because other than that, I really don't know much about Egypt. Like I don't know a lot of their players. I don't either. And like, I, to be honest, I don't know much about them. No. And but, and I I would say that like that's nine. But a lot of the world know you know Mohamed Salah, and then a lot a lot of these other guys are looking fairly uh, miscellaneous. 
Yeah, I'm not lie. and not to say that they they won't be effective. We just they probably are playing in the other some of the lower leagues, maybe some of the African leagues, maybe the just some of these lower European leagues. So we just I haven't got a chance to see them on a by basis. But Egypt's a strong team that because of Mohammed's could be a strong team because of Mohammed Salah. But uh, again, kind of like Uruguay, a little top heavy in that you know I think any everything in Egypt's success in this World Cup goes through Mohammed Salah. Right. So. So we have those two teams, and uh, then we have Saudi Arabia and Russia. We don't really know much about those teams. Russia's the host country. That's mostly why, that's why they're in. Saudi Arabia's a solid team from the Middle East. They, they aren't terrible. They're not going to get blown out in any of these games, especially because of the group competition. But, uh, I mean, I guess we could just do the group by – just go group by group and say who we think is going to make it through. I'm right. probably going to pick Uruguay and Egypt just because – Russia has a couple players that I know, but they're not like they're not the strongest team. Like the Russian team has, I know they have some guys that I know, but regardless of the point, they don't have a lot of guys that really strike fear into anybody. They did kind of get in based on the they did get in because of the fact that they are the host country. And for those who didn't know, when you your country hosts the World Cup, you automatically get in. Yep. That's why in the 2010 World Cup, South Africa made it, and 2014 didn't matter because Brazil it was Brazil hosting. Brazil always makes the World Cup, right. but they didn't have to play for it. Yeah. So that was nice for them. But yeah, that's Group A. So you thinking the same thing? Yeah, Group same thing. Honestly, we a lot of we were looking at the groups earlier, and a lot of the uh, it's pretty cut and dry. Honestly, like we there's no real group of death per se that we've had in, in, in previous years where it's like. That, that America always gets into somehow, but yeah, uh, obviously the year we're not in, there's no real group of death, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's like, I feel like, uh, in terms of our predictions, it, we're not really going to go against the norm, uh, quite frankly, like there's, I don't really have any like super big sleeper teams from my first look of first couple looks of the, of the group. Um, honestly, the, the biggest match is going to be the for, it's going to be the second match of the group too. Egypt versus Uruguay is yep. going to be the second match of this group. That'll probably determine uh, who finishes first and second in that group. And that's big, just knowing that you finished the second place team in the group coming up. All right. So next we're going to move to group B. This one's got a lot more star power in it. We you know we are a lot more familiar with these teams, uh, Portugal and Spain. Yeah, are the top two in this group. And I know I just got done saying there's no real group of death, but it, we were saying if there had to be a group of death, it would probably be Group B with uh, the likes of Portugal, Spain, Morocco. Morocco's and a good team. And Morocco's a good team. And then Iran, again, if we're talking like Middle East countries, Iran and Saudi Arabia would probably be the powerhouses. Yeah, they're not bad teams, but when it comes to facing two top European squads, one being the defending Euro champs and one being uh, Spain, who won the Euros and the World Cup in 2008, 2010. Yeah. Uh, that's a big deal. Facts. Obviously, up front, uh, Portugal has Cristiano Ronaldo. The goat. Yeah, yeah I said it. <laughs> I mean, I've started to come more towards that. I've I've always liked watching Messi play, but watching Ronaldo and just the way he pl- goes on for Real Madrid, he took a team that's supposed to be one of the most talented in the world, and he's kind of been like the anchor for them, despite the fact that they've had all that talent. talent. So, I mean, Ronaldo is coming in. He is 33. This probably is his last World Cup. Because, but unless he keeps up going, he'd be 37 in his next World Cup. So I don't know if he'd be there because he's probably not going to accept a bit part yeah. on a team. So he's no, because he, he'll have 
at 37, you got to come off the bench, and he won't. So Yeah, there's very few players that have done that in the past. Uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head. But but who knows? Maybe his play won't decrease as much as we want. But four years, 37 is really yeah. old for a normal player. If we're talking in terms of, like, normal goats, like, Ronaldo's kind of the LeBron in the sense that, not really, but kind of in the sense that, like, his production at 33 compared to other goats – uh, and same with Messi, honestly, but like their production at this level compared to other greats um, who really slowed down by this age. Uh, Ronaldinho comes to mind. He was super slowed down. He was already three leagues out by the time he was 33. So like, you know. And I mean, we're thinking if we're thinking of English players that we've seen before, like just recently, Wayne Rooney. Yeah. David Beckham. Yeah. Ashley Young is starting to get up there. Ibrahimovic just went to yeah, Zalt- the retirement league. Yeah, Zoltan Ibrahimovic, who was a former Sweden player. Uh, so Yeah, just went to the retirement league is the MLS for the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, up front with Ronaldo, they do have Andre Silva, who is a good young forward. No slouch. Gonzalo, or Gonzalo Giotis plays for, uh, played for Valencia this year, but he was on Paris Saint-Germain. Anderson, or Andre Silva was a big youth guy, but he did just make the team. He is very popular, but both of those guys are going to be good bench guys for Portugal. Then you get into the midfield. Snap. They have one of my favorite players who, cause he's a Manchester city player, Bernardo Silva. He was really coming on at the end of the year at Manchester city. He's going to be a big, probably the second scoring option for Portugal. Maybe take some of that strain off of uh, Ronaldo, but they have no, there's not slouches. They have Moutinho, Jose Moutinho, they have Adrian, they have Jose Maria, Jose Malmario, Bruno Fernandez. Like that's a pretty good midfield, and a lot of them are young. So I mean, as we said, they like this squad run won the Euros for a reason. They're very talented and on the national level. I feel like we all know what to expect from Portugal. And uh, just a little sidetrack: we're talking about the goats. I feel like um, in terms of national success success that's one thing that Messi hasn't really been able to do is take his national team to that level yeah and we'll definitely get into that once we talk about Argentina yeah we'll talk about Argentina Argentina is similar to those other teams in the fact that it is very they have they have a lot of they have talent but it's also top heavy in the fact that they have it's mostly in the attack oh again we'll get to that I mean defense they're they're a little bit weaker but Portugal is going to be a really strong team they're also they're also um, older the defenses yeah a little older uh just in terms of the players i know right um, and then goalkeeper Rui patricio was a popular guy he was just recently playing for sporting uh cp which again we'll talk we're gonna have a different podcast coming up soon about some of the other things that have been going on outside of the world cup uh there's a big story with sporting cp that i'd recommend you read uh it's a good read and it's also very uh insightful but uh, again Rui patricio good goalkeeper not a great go- good goalkeeper but a good one so i mean portugal is definitely going to be up there and then we have the team that is probably, if not the most talented, they're probably the s- second or third most talented yes. in terms of talent. Like they left a lot of good players off this team. One being uh, Morata from Chelsea. He got left off the team, and that was just because of his year this year at Chelsea. But uh, I mean, Diego Costa, former Chelsea player, now of Atletico Madrid. So uh, David Silva of Manchester City, uh, Lucas Vasquez of Real Madrid. And then in the midfield, we have Marco Asensio of Real Madrid. Tiago, Yeah, Koke of Atletico Madrid. Tiago, Bayern Munich. Asensio. Saul from, yeah, Paul from, uh, or not Paul, Saul from. Did we say Iniesta? No, not yet. Oh, yeah, Andreas Iniesta, maybe one of the best midfielders of all time. Of all time. Just recently (laughs) left Barcelona. 
Uh, his Isco, farewell video, by the way, was I almost teared up. His farewell video oh, yeah. from Barcelona was. Nice. So a lot of this team <laughs> is Atletico Madrid players and Real Madrid players, with the exception of Thiago, who plays for Bayern Munich. But uh, Spain, a lot of their team players end up playing in the Liga, La Liga, which is the top division in Spain. So, and that's a pretty common theme in international soccer, like especially in the European countries. A lot of the top players will play in their league of the international that they're going to play in. So like when we get to like England and Germany and France a lot, well, maybe not as much France because their league's a little bit top heavy, but you get what I'm saying. And uh, a lot, and in the, just in terms of the youth leagues, a lot of times youth coaches uh, and scouts and stuff will encourage that you stay in, in country just because it helps breed the talent. So you get a system going like Germany did when they uh, reformed their whole system in what uh, it was after the oh, 90, 90, what was that World Cup? What was it? Oh, something. Which uh, give me, give me teams. Um, or like headlines. I don't, I don't, I don't remember any like big headlines from that World Cup. That was the one World Cup. I don't remember. I don't remember. But all I know is that it was after that, like, it was from like 98 to like 02. Was it the 02 World Cup where Germany, where United States made it to the quarters? It might have been 02, but it was after it might. It, and honestly, it might have been the World Cup before that. But honestly, okay. but it was in that period that uh, Germany decided to do the big rebuild. And then, you know, a couple World Cups ago, we saw the fruits of their labor uh, went with them winning the whole thing. So, like, really breeding your talent, keeping them in and having them play for the, you know, uh, playing in your country, playing in your country, playing help, for the top teams, in your playing country. for the top teams in your country, you know, it keeps the systems the same, you know, uh, breeds camaraderie with the guys and a lot of, you know, good teams, uh, encourage that. Uh, we were talking about this guy earlier. He's going to probably be the captain of their team, uh, Sergio Ramos yes. in defense for them. G- great player, so, but not, maybe not the greatest person, but <laughs> great, great player, great player. Uh, also, I don't remember how to pronounce his name. He's a good, uh, right back. Jordan. PK getting up there, but PK great. good, good center back. Carvial and Jordi Alaba. Nacho. Nacho. All good. Uh, all good fullbacks. Yes. So this is a really strong team. And of course the goal and goalkeeper. Amanda Gea. Yeah. David De Gea from Manchester United. Bleeding right. You, you could know. argue he's the best goalkeeper in the world. There's a couple guys in that discussion. One's on my favorite team, which we'll get to soon. But um, he's definitely in the discussion or not my favorite club team, my favorite international team. But uh, yeah, Spain is going to be Spain is one of the favorites in this World Cup. Spain, if they if they don't make it to at least the quarterfinals is probably a disappointment. Yeah. And honestly, yeah, like Graham was saying, they're one of the favorites with the talent they have on this squad. Um, so many veterans, you know, it's a tough group. But and we get the best and we get the best match in the, se- the first day of the group. We get Portugal versus Spain. The first day of the group. Yeah, and then like I was saying, it's like it's a tough group, but Spain with the talent that they have should definitely make it pretty far in this World Cup. Now Morocco could definitely make some he- some headway if they tie one of the two big teams and beat Iran. They have a really good chance of making it to the next group stage because then all they'd have to do is, depending on what happens, most likely either tie the other big team or just loot not lose by a lot. And they could probably make it into the next stage. Yeah. So Morocco is going to be a team to watch out for. I'm sorry, Iran. It's just the other three teams are vastly better. So Group B, I think we're both going to say probably chalk again. Portugal, Spain. Yeah. This is we're, there's not going to be as many upsets in the group stage. Once we get to the knockout stage, you'll it'll, have more, it'll get interesting. Yeah, you'll have more upset talk from us. And uh, and for those of you not familiar with the World Cup, nine times out of ten, unless there's a group of death, this is how it goes. We get chalk a lot. 
in the group stages. Yeah, the group stages are usually there's two really good teams, a third pretty good team, and then a fourth team that just slid in because yeah. they try to make it as balanced as possible. And like Olam said, there's usually a group – there usually is a group of death, which basically means there's three really good teams. And when the United States played last, it was even four because it was Portugal, the United States, uh, Germany, and Ghana. And that was that's one of the toughest groups I've ever seen. Yeah, no, that was – Probably the and the fact that the United ever. States made it out of that group was impressive. Like they made it out of that group, which yeah. is shocking. They lost to Belgium in the next World Cup, and that's we'll talk about them later. But now we're getting to Group C. This first team in Group C is one of the favorites, and probably if not the most talented team, the second most talented team behind either either Brazil or Spain, France. The reason why I'm not going to say shit about France is because if any of y'all know my soccer stand, stance on France when it comes to the national team. <laughs> stance on France. Stance on France. <laughs> um, it's that they are a train wreck, quite frankly, when it comes to the national team. There's there's always a cancer, whether it starts with my man Paul Pogba or, uh, you know, coaches, uh, coaching changes that they've had. Their coach. It might be coaches, but what my point is that there's always a black cloud over France when it comes to national play. So I... I'm not expecting because, like, I'm looking at. The, we're going from forward. We're going from front to back. If you just look at the first six guys on their forwards thing, they should have no excuse to not make it at least to the quarterfinals, if not the semifinals. Oh, it's a talented team, but what I'm saying is they never put it together. Yeah, like, like let's go, Antoine Griezmann, Atletico Madrid. He's although, Gerard, oh my, although goodness. we apparently he's made a decision about his future. We'll know soon after the World Cup. Antoine Griezmann, Atletico Madrid. Thomas Lamar apparently signed with Atletico Madrid recently, so maybe that's a. Indicator of Griezmann's whereabouts. He's going to Real. Let's be honest. Olivier Giroud, who went to Chelsea later earlier this year, or later this year, and had a big impact. Kalim Mbappe, who went from PS or went from PSG Atletico to, to Atletico. PSG. PSG. No, it was Monaco to PSG. Monaco, excuse me. Yeah, Monaco, Monaco to PSG. PSG. Usmane Dembele, who went from Borussia Dortmund in Germany to FC Barcelona, and he had some struggles this year. Nabil Fakir, who plays for Olympique Lyon in the and uh, the French League, I didn't even there, know that. there is some rumors of him moving to the uh, Premier League, possibly with Liverpool. But um, Really? Yes, oh, uh, there's been big that. rumors about that. So those first six guys all start and are a big impact guy. Well, Dembele doesn't start because he's playing for Barcelona, but all of those guys have high impact, and they're all young, other than Olivier Giroud. The, Antoine Griezmann's the next oldest at 27. He's right in his prime. All the other guys are very young. So, I mean, very talented team, very pacey team. But this is where we get the big talent. The midfield. Your guy, Paul Pogba from Manchester United. Great, great midfielder. Probably serves better as an attacking guy. And but and in at, at Manchester United, he has Nemanja Matic to do that with him. But he has a much better partner in the French with the French, right? Yeah, I mean, Conte. You know. Nogolo Conte, who plays for <laughs> Chelsea now. He was on the historic Leicester City team that was like a... 80 to 1 or 90 to 1. Very big odds to win the Premier League, and they won the Premier League a couple years back. He's on their team. He's probably the best midfielder in the, defensive midfielder in the world. If he's not the best defensive midfielder in the world, he's right up there with like Fernandinho from Manchester City or uh, Fabinho from AS Monaco, now of Liverpool. And then there's Christian Chiloso from Bayern Munich, Steven Anzanzi, who's a, been a great international player for great player for years for a Sevilla. Like, they have a lot of talent in the midfield. They do, man. They do. And uh, the thing about the midfield is that uh, the midfield's a little older. Uh, you got guys who have been there, done that, uh, on a couple of World Cups with Conte and Nzazi. So, you know, I expect big – I like, I, I don't want to expect big things from them. 
because, like I said, they always collapse. But Graham's making – he's convincing me because it is a talented team, but it's – and then like you I even, said, group stage is tough. Yeah, but. and then you would get to the defense. Rafael Varane from Real Madrid, great center back. Samuel Umtiti from FC Barcelona, starts for FC Barcelona, great center back. Uh, Theo Hernandez from, I believe it is, RSD Espanyol. Benjamin Mendy, Shark Team from <laughs> Manchester City. He just He's coming back from an inju- a knee injury. He started playing at the end of the year. So he, he looked good, too. He'll be the starting left back for them. Asidebe, hopefully not. <laughs> going to ruin my dreams. Asidebe is really good. He's going to be their starting right back. And then in goal, they have Hugo Lloris, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Nice. And then Alfonso Areola from, uh, as their backup from PSG. Again, very strong team. France should make it out of the group stage. We'll talk more about them once we get there. The other teams, I don't really talk. There's not as much to talk about. There's Denmark. Denmark has a couple guys that I know. That, like they have uh, Christian Eriksen from uh, Tottenham. Really good player. Where is he? There he is. Thomas Delaney. He's a good player. Like, do you think Denmark's probably going to be the second team coming out of this group? Yeah, I was just about to say, honestly, because they're, they're a talented team and they're a young team. Um, and Denmark is really good with bringing up youth talent. So if I had to pick out of Peru and Australia, I'm definitely picking Denmark. They're a good team to make some noise in this group. Uh, and yeah, they're a little top heavy, but they have talent at every at every spot. Though in the in like they have forward talent, they have midfield talent, and defenders defending talent. Uh, their goalkeeper is not bad either. They're they're and, like, they're, and they're young, so they're going to yeah. be hungry, which is really important in the World Cup. A lot of times you get Cinderella stories with young teams that are just hungry, and they go out there yeah. and outplay bigger squads. So this Denmark team could make a little They're noise. young, but they also have like some key veterans in places. They also have top-end talent, at each, like I said, at each, uh, at each front. Yep. So I think Denmark will probably make it out of there. Australia is not a bad team. Peru is just a lot of uh, variables. Like They're not a bad South American team, but... In this group, I would probably expect France and Denmark to make it out of the group. And it seems like – and they don't play Denmark and France until the last uh, day of the group stage. So while counts, that could just be a fight for second for who's getting out in the first and who's getting out in the second, which is a big deal because that can often determine whether you're going to make it to the next round or not. Yeah. Because first and second place teams in each group are different. So we were going to talk about Lionel Messi. Yes. Uh, we're at that group now. This actually might be my favorite group just because of the uh, the depth of talent. We got Argentina, Iceland, who made huge, huge strides at, uh, I think it was Euro. Yeah, when they knocked, it was in the Euro. They knocked England out. They knocked a couple good teams out. They made it to the semifinals of the Euros before they lost. Croatia, very good team that built, brings up their talent. And then Olam's. Olam's team. Nigeria, boy. And we're looking really good this year, honestly. So this is a really talented uh, squad. For those who don't know, Olam's family is Nigerian. His family, both his parents are from Nigeria. Yes. So For the listeners who don't know. Golden Eagles. Yes. So we all about Nigeria here. Sickest kits at the World Cup? Yes. And the kits, and the crazy thing about the kits, for the listeners, they sold out in like five minutes. Like everyone has them. Like if if you want to get a, see some really nice kits, by the way, are uniforms. So if you want to see some really nice uniforms, Nigeria probably has the best uniforms. If not the best, they're right up there. They look really nice. And they do it. But uh, we have to talk about Argentina. Argentina's the group that's most likely going to make it out of this stage. 
they have arguably the best player in the world. I know you feel about Ronaldo. I'm starting to feel that way as well. They do have Lionel Messi. But they also have Sergio Aguero and Paolo Dybala and Gonzalo Higuain. All from great players. He's got help. (laughs) So their front... Their front is stacked. Top heavy. Like, Dybala plays for Juventus, which is the top team in Italy. Sergio Aguero plays for Manchester City, and he had a really good year for us. Lionel Messi plays for FC Barcelona, where he has his whole career. Again, you could argue he's the best player in the world. Always been really good. Gonzalo Haguin plays for... Uh, I'm trying to remember. I have to know this. I don't remember. Point is, he's very good. He's had a lot of appearances. That entire front line it has is very veteran savvy except for Paolo Dybala but and he's played in big stages before yeah. playing in Serie A this is when it starts to get a little bit uh a little bit shaky their midfield yeah like would you say Argentina is a very heavy team up front yeah they're top heavy for sure um and this and that's not to say that they don't have midfield talent with the likes of uh Di Maria um and Benega and Benega who are you know they're older guys who have been there but at the same time they're also older guys who haven't shown up in the big stage. Di right. Maria uh, comes to mind from the last World Cup. So yeah. it is what it is. And then in defense, again, not bad talent, but older talent. We have Fazio, not a bad center back. Mascherano. Yeah, Nicholas Otamendi, who had a great year for Manchester City. Had a kind of revitalization. Marcos Rojo. Yeah, Marcos Rojo, the left My back boy. for Manchester United. Yes. Left back, center back. Yeah, center back, but you know. He's we, good. He's very good player. Good young player. Or not young player. He's like a, for a top end team, he's like a good player. He's not amazing, but he's good. He's good. He's serviceable. But yeah, they, they have an older, uh, older middle of the field, and their coach likes to press a lot up the field. Uh, Diego Maradona used to coach the, uh, the Chilean national team, and he was known for that. But they're kind of old, so I'm wondering how that's going to work for them. And that's the only thing. That's why with teams like this, you you start to wonder if this will be the year where uh, – because everyone who knows soccer, last year was supposed to be Argentina's year. Or last World Cup, excuse me. And they made it all the way to the final. And they made it to the final. So that being said, I don't know how much more they have in the tank. Because like I said, this is an older squad. Having got so close last year, I don't know if they are, are – primed and ready for another run a lot of times with older teams i like to have a few uh key young guys who are hungry who can kind of lift the spirits of the older guys and get them wanting to play at their highest level so that's my question with the argentina squad but uh you never really know we'll see and then this is my favorite team probably in this group croatia because they have so many players that i've watched in the past they're such a well-coached team they're probably not going to make it past like the knockout stage or maybe the quarterfinals but they're a fun team. They have Mario Mandzukic, who was a star player for a while. They have, oh gosh, the computer just went crazy on me. They have Ivan Perisic. So they, they have two players up there. Then you get to the midfield. They have Luka Modric, really good player. Does he that, play for, he plays for Real Madrid? Yes, he does. And then Mateo Kovacic, also for Real Madrid. So yeah. if two of your players of your three midfielders start for Real Madrid, you're in good shape. Yep. Brozovic. Great player. Ivan Rakitic plays for Barcelona. So all three of their guys start for the two biggest teams in Spain. Yeah. So that's huge. So, and they're all great players. So that midfield's really strong. So as long as they can stay healthy in the midfield, I think they're going to be in really good shape. Uh, I don't know much about Ver- Versalco, uh, Lovren, Carluca. I know some of those guys. Their defense is a little bit weaker. 
but they have a really strong defensive midfield, so right. I think that'll help them. The thing that helps is that, again, uh, they're def- like Graham was, uh, mentioned real quick, their midfield is so strong. A lot of times that can supplement a weaker defense, but their defense is older, which is very important when it comes to the World That's Cup. That's true. You need experience. You need guys who have been there, done that, who know the game and how, how the World Cup plays. Uh, at the same time, you want some younger guys, and that's why I think, Cro- like Graham was saying, this Croatia team, it could be primed to make some noise. They have some younger guys who are hungry. They have some older veterans who know what they're doing, who can calm the young guys but still keep their spirits up, and that's really the formula that we've seen uh, really carry these teams who don't have the premier talent uh, to World Cup success. So Croatia is definitely one of those teams to look out for. And we're going to briefly talk about Iceland. And the reason we're talking so much about this group is, like I said, this group has a lot of so much talent. depth of talent. Like, the first team, Argentina's probably going to make it out of the group, but you could make an argument for either of these other three teams that they make it out. Yes. So, I mean, and Iceland was a big story last uh, during the uh, Euros. They, like I said, made it to the semifinals. They almost beat Portugal, made almost. it to the finals. Almost, it was crushing. But... Like, Iceland is a very good team, very small country, but they have a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Gadolfi Sigurdsson who plays for Everton, was playing for Swansea for a long time. They have other Sigurdsons. A lot of other guys have, less, have names I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to try to uh, do that and embarrass myself and also Just have a shot against the them. Names. Yeah, because they're, they're a very good team. I don't know a lot about their team, but I do remember watching them from the World Cup. They're very good at keeping possession – or from Euros. the Euros. They're really good at possession. They're really good at making sure that they have timely counterattacks. I was not- about to say their counterattacks are beautiful. And that's with smaller, a lot of smaller countries, a lot of teams that don't have the talent of a Spain or a Portugal or an Argentina. They have to be good counterattack teams because that's usually how you get your best opportunities because it's going to be hard to break down a team that has top-class talent. Exactly. So Iceland, again, Iceland, great team. And then let's talk about the Golden Eagles. They have a couple players that I know. One that I definitely remember is a former Manchester City player, Kalechi Inialcho. Did he make the team? That's a good question. Yes, he he did. I was about to be really sad if he didn't make the team. It'd be kind of crazy if he didn't, honestly. Yeah, but, he, uh, he played pretty well for uh, Leicester this past year. My boy Iwobi. Victor, yeah, Alex Iwobi, yeah. Uh, Victor Moses. That's a really good front three right there. Yes. Like, that's a solid front three. I'm not going to say it's amazing, but Young and Victor Moses and uh, Alex Iwobi have played in a lot of big events. Then you get to Onazi and Nadidi and Atebo and Mikhail. A lot of these Nigerian players do end up playing in the bigger leagues. Mm-hmm. So, and the and the great thing about this Nigerian squad, like uh, like I've been saying this whole podcast, you're gonna notice this is a theme with my World Cup, with these World Cup podcasts. But you gotta have guys who are willing to break out and make their their stamp on the world in the World Cup. That's where the that's where names are born. Uh, you know, a couple of World Cups ago, it was uh, what's his name, uh, Javier, uh, yeah, who now plays say. for uh, now plays for Real, and it's like. He wouldn't have gotten that contract, that opportunity if he didn't make his name in the World Cup. Yeah, the World Cups, the World Cup year is a big year for players that are trying to make a name for themselves. That's how Mario Goetze, Mario Goetze from a, a couple World Cups ago, from went, who was a who got went to Bayern München because of his uh, success in Ger- when Germany won the World Cup in 2014 because he scored the winning goal for them. Kind of been downhill since, but you know, yeah, he, had, he <laughs> but like, but the point is. A big World Cup can get you really far, and I and and, and like I like I was saying, like I've been saying, it is the formula to win. So this, like we've been saying, this is a really good group. Honestly, this group I don't team know who's could be. Make, a, I don't know who's going to make it out of. The, I know that Argentina is going to make it out of the group, yeah. most likely. But I honestly, right now, I'm probably going to pick Croatia to make it out of the group, just because they have that veteran talent and the high end talent in the midfield. Plus, they have a couple of good guys that have been there before. 
up front. Nigeria is probably third for me. Iceland, just uh, Iceland. I just haven't seen enough of them to really know. Yeah, honestly, I I, I love the Iceland story, but I kind of think they caught lightning in a bottle yeah. uh, in the Euros. I don't know if they can replicate that in the World Cup. I really like this Croatia squad. But I got to go with Nigeria. You already know. I'm picking Argentina and Nigeria to come out. And that would be great. And that would be great. But it's going to be a fight. This is, and honestly, we were saying Group B, Group of Death, just because of the top end talent. Right. Like, Portugal everyone and Spain. knows Portugal and Spain. And Morocco's but, a good 13. But this Group D has some underrated talent. This is probably going to be the most competitive. And it's going to be very competitive. It's going to be interesting to see who comes out of Group D. Yeah, best team, bets. And then, our, like, all the matchups, I'm probably going to, this is probably going to be the group I watch the most. Because the first two games, you get Argentina-Iceland. Interesting. Croatia-Nigeria. Then the next game, you get Argentina-Croatia. That's going to be a great game. Then you get Nigeria-Iceland. So, like, a battle for second place right there. And then the last day, you get, like, Nigeria beats Iceland. And Nigeria ties Croatia. They're going to be playing Argentina with a chance to move forward into the next stage. Or even, or what if Iceland upsets Argentina in the opening match of the group? Right. That could... That could throw everything to shit. So this is a really interesting. Or like even if Iceland ties our Argentina, Argentina yeah, Nigeria, puts, they're going to be yeah. they're going to be playing Croatia with a chance to make it through. All these teams, if they can just either tie Argentina or barely lose, yeah. that goal differential is going to be huge. And like we were saying with, uh, like I said with Argentina, it's 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 kind of a question mark with this team because they're very top heavy and they're older. And I don't know if they have the young talent. Honestly, I don't know their youth squad too well, but I don't know if they have the younger talent that really is willing to go out there and get it because this squad came so close last year. I don't know if they're ready and primed for another run, but. We'll, It'll be that group is so interesting. And now we're moving on to group E. All right, Olam, you 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 take over this part. Why <laughs> right. I say that Olam's favorite team is in this group? All right, so I don't know how to work the Mac to get to this. Just, if you just go to this, just go to the squad. We can just go through it. But obviously, Group E is. You want to go to the group real quick? Yeah, but Group E is a really good group. Um, we got Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica, and Serbia. Um, I actually really like this group a lot too. Uh, I like the talent, um, but Brazil's coming out. Let's go. Let's go. So let's go in uh, Brazil. Obviously, they got Graham's boy uh, Gabriel Jesus. They got um, one of the probably premier forwards in the world right now, Neymar, uh, Firmino, no slouch, uh, Diego Costa is a beast. So yeah, it's important that your players play at high end teams. Their forwards, Douglas Costa plays for Juventus. Gabriel Jesus, yeah, Douglas, Douglas Costa Douglas, Douglas, used to play for Bayern Munich, now plays for Juventus. Gabriel Jesus plays for Manchester City. Neymar played for, played for uh, Barcelona and plays for PSG. PSG. Might be moving to Real Madrid this summer. Roberto Firmino plays for Liverpool. All of those are top end teams, and all of the, and all four of those guys aren't going to be able to start. Like it's going to be interesting to see how they go because we haven't even gotten to the midfield because some of their midfielders can play wing. Facts. And then we, and then you get in a, like some of these guys: Casemiro, Coutinho, Paulinho, Ferdinho, Fred, Ferdinho, Ferdinando. Excuse me, uh, William, Fred. Like these are guys who, again, are kind of older. Some of them in their prime, like Coutinho, still Casemiro in their prime, still. Uh, but a lot of these guys have, you, you know, what this Brazil. Who do you think's the captain of this team? You think it's Fernandinho? Um, or do you think it's Neymar? It might be Neymar now. Do you think? I think, yeah. Fernand, but Fernandinho is like the veteran leader for them. I feel like he would be the captain. The only reason why I say Neymar is because of after last, the last World Cup. Okay. <laughs> I think, I think. But yeah. Point being, their, their midfield, Fred just signed for Manchester United after having a great year at Shakhtar, at Shakhtar Donsik. Mm. 
Uh, Fernandinho plays for Manchester City, was huge in their success this year. Paulinho plays for Barcelona, had a renaissance. Felipe Coutinho moved from Liverpool to Barcelona, had a great year. Casimero plays for Real Madrid. Real. And then William plays for Chelsea. William's never going to be amazing, but he's never going to be bad. Yeah. So like, <laughs> their midfield, their backups could be a starting midfield for somebody. And then you get to their defense, and it's just like you're basically just – they had one big injury that's going to be crappy, and that's Danny Alves. Yeah. He's hurt, so now Danilo, who played for Manchester City this past year, is going to be the right back. But he's really good. So like- and he is. As long as they don't try to overextend him playing like on the left side – Keep him on the right side. He'll be in good shape because he, he doesn't have a good left foot. So that's where you're going to struggle with him. But And the reason why I love this Brazil squad, and, and Brazil has always done this in years past, but we have defenders who know how to track up. That's what we do. So Graham was talking about how nine, ten, nine times out of ten teams play four in the back. Brazil will play four in the back, but it'll sometimes when you watch us play, it'll look like we have three because we have people like – Sometimes it'll look like you got two. Someone, and sometimes it'll look like two because you got people like uh, Silva and Marcelo. Marcelo is one of the best left backs in the world. He'll track up a lot. He'll track up a lot. Danilo and, will track up probably like midfield. Yes, Danilo tracks up, and that's that's something that Brazil does on purpose. That's We've always done that as a squad and for as long as I've watched Brazil. And that's because they have three good center backs. We're all older, but yes. three good center backs. That they, they have Marquinhos, who plays for PSG, who's going to start pretty much every game for them. But then they can rotate between Felipe Luis, Miranda, and Thiago Silva. Yes. And all are great players. And all of them are, what, on their third World Cup? So yeah, like, they're all very old. They're all old and and seasoned veterans who have been there to anchor this team. So I'm, you know, I'm, ex- I'm always excited about my Brazil team when the World Cup comes around. Anybody who knows me knows I am a huge Brazil buff. You know what this team is is about. Honestly, the roster hasn't changed too much in previous years. We have some good young talent like William and uh, Jesus. You know, Neymar. I'm Neymar is young. He's in his prime now. But um, yeah, so this this team is is ready and prime for a, a big World Cup run. And Their goalkeepers are unfair too. They have Allison, and then they have Ederson, and, then, and even Casio is not bad. Yeah, so like they have the guy from Barcelona. Where is Allison from? Oh, Roma. Yeah. A.S. Roma, who was probably the best goalkeeper in the world this year, and then Ederson, who had a great premier debut with uh, Manchester City. If this team doesn't at least make the semifinals, it's, something happened. Yeah, yeah. This honestly, like I was like we've been saying, this Brazil team, the way we've been raving about them, it's honestly just because of the ridiculous talent they have. They're they're prob- they're probably the most talented team in the world on paper for sure. On paper, they just have to be able to. Put it I'm not. I'm not gonna look. What happened last World Cup? I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not going to gloat about it. I am a Germany fan, but here's what I'll say about it. When your best player goes down and you have short a short period of time to adjust, I'm not saying you should lose like that, but that's a big blow when your best player and your captain essentially goes down. Did they have more talent than what should have happened to 7-1 loss to Germany? Yes, but they're not. that's not going to happen again this year, even with an injury happening because they have good leadership. They have that mixture of players especially these defensive players. A lot of these older defensive players have been there, done that. Their midfielders are all world-class. They have a world-class front three front. They're probably going to play three. I'm assuming having Neymar and like Coutinho. With that much talent, I'd be, I'd be crazy surprised. If I had to guess, it'd probably be Neymar on the left wing, Coutinho on the right, and then Jesus in the middle. And then Firmino will, Firmino will come on. Yep. Spell whoever it is. And then they'll move. They could either have Firmino in the middle or have him in the right wing and put Coutinho in the middle. Exactly. And then, it, and the reason why this team is so beautiful, just because of how we were saying the de- the defensive players, the fullbacks can track up like it's no problem. And you just switch out with your middies, 
and boom. But their pace is also very good, and so the, they'll be able to get back if, to prevent counterattacks. Yeah, and it's and it's all about conditioning. This Brazil team has always been about conditioning because of how they play. And South American teams, by large in nature, are very well conditioned. Very well conditioned just because of the pace down there. They so play very fast. It's a very South fast America. pace in South America. So, like, this Brazil team should be ready for a run, and I'll be disappointed if not. But getting into some of the rest of the talent in the group. We got uh, Switzerland. We're just going to go through Switzerland uh, real quick. Honestly, I don't know too much about this squad. Brielle, Brielle Donald, and Bolo is not a bad young player up front. They're a little bit weak up front, but then their midfield is pretty good. They have Zerdin Shakiri. They have oh, Brahm, Brahmi. Yeah, he's a, he's a beast. Okay. They have Granit Chaka. Okay. So their midfield's good. Their midfield's not bad. Oh, they got Shakiri too. Yeah, that's what I said. They have Zerdin Shakiri, who's played at Stoke City this past yeah, year. For, okay, yeah. So their midfield is pretty stacked. And then their back, they have Ricardo Rodriguez from, uh, I forget where he plays now, AC Milan. Okay. They have, Dijon, they have Lichtsteiner. They have Mobandiaji. They have Cher. So they, they're a solid team. They're probably not going to make – then they have Berkey and Sommer as their goalkeepers. They're a solid team. They have a good chance to make it out of this group. Costa Rica, kind of like kind of like um, Iceland in the last World Cup, they kind of caught lightning in a bottle. They made the quarterfinals yep. when no one really expected them to. So Costa Rica has a really good chance. I don't know much about Serbia. Serbia probably won't make it out of the group. And and this group early on, like we get Brazil-Switzerland the first day. So we're going to know right away – if Brazil is ready to go, Switzerland's not an amazing team, but they'll give Brazil at least a good fight. Switzerland's talented. Switzerland's very talented. So I mean, Brazil's playing their two toughest games right away, back right to back. Rip. They play Brazil and they play Costa Rica. Yeah. Now they should win both games because they are much more talented. But it wouldn't shock me if they get if they tie one of those games or they barely win and something happens. The only I and that Costa Rica game that gives me pause because Costa Rica. They're no slouches, and I like this group too. Honestly, it's not as top heavy as like a Group D per se, but yeah. in terms of talent, not as deep as like a Group D. But this Group E is is solid. So we'll see what happens. Uh, our picks, real quick. Um, um I'm gonna go Brazil and Switzerland. Yeah, but it's. I think Switzerland's barely gonna. I think Brazil will win all three of their matches and win nine points. I think they're just that talented. And if they went draw one, they'll have seven points. Serbia will probably lose uh, two of their three matches, maybe draw one, so they end up with one point. So that leaves Switzerland and Costa Rica fighting for it. Yeah, let's honestly, look at, let me look at the breakdown real quick because Brazil plays Switzerland, Costa Rica plays Serbia. Okay, let's say Costa Rica beats Serbia, that's three points. Switzerland loses, that's zero points. So it's three three. Then Brazil plays Costa Rica. Brazil beats Costa Rica, and that's why I wanted to give a Costa Costa pause real quick because I think Costa Rica come out could come out of this group. Now, if they both lose to Brazil and both beat Serbia, the last game of the group is Switzerland Costa Rica. Rica. So then you find out okay who's going to advance because even if they draw, yeah, that Brazil game would be important then because you can't lose by a lot. Yes. Like it's got to be like one nothing or two one or yeah. something like that. Like you can't like three, get three zero four zero against. And that, and that's my and that's my cost to pause. I think this Costa Rica team can attack. I don't and but I and this Switzerland team can defend. I don't know if they could attack like that. They got some talent up there, but can you come a can you go against Brazil like that? Right? Can you go against Costa Rica D like that? I don't know. It'll be interesting. It's a I can agree with that. It's a very interesting group. All right, so now we're Group E. We're ha- we're almost there, guys. We just got a couple more groups. Group F, my team, Die Mannschaft. You can handle this. <laughs> sure. Okay, so this group is Germany, Mexico, Sweden, Sweden, and South Korea. Nope, not a slouch of a group either. Not a bad group. Korea is better than people think they are. They're, 
Them and Japan are both actually pretty good. Yeah, they always play hard, so. Yeah, Asian teams are always really, uh, really tough, really fit, not physical, but they're really, they don't give up. They're, they're always technically sound. Yeah, basically, because <laughs> they don't have, like, the big world-class players. Yeah, they don't, not only that, but they're, you know, generally, uh, they're tinier, so yeah. they have to be very Sweden, seasoned on the ball. Sweden's probably the best team out of the three, uh, the three Nordic countries. Yes. Mexico's a good team. They always make it, at least make it to the knockout stage, then they usually have their problems. Yep. The big team that we're talking about is the defending World Cup champions. You know them. You hate them. It's I Germany. love them. <laughs> but Germany. And we start with forwards, and I'm starting with forwards because they made a really big omission. Uh, Leroy Sané. Okay, can you explain this for the listeners? Because if you follow soccer, you know Leroy Sané, a premier, premier, premier talent from Manchester City was left off of this Germany okay. team. You want to explain this to me? So, and to the listeners. So basically, Leroy Sané on the on the international team has not played had not played very well up to this point. But he also hadn't been playing in every single time. This past season with Manchester City, he had double digit goals and double digit assists. Great season. Only the only other player on the team to do that was Kevin De Bruyne. And Kevin De Bruyne was the second vo- voted second in player of the year in the Premier League behind Mohamed Salah. So Leroy Sané was also one of the top in assists. He's incredibly pacey. He started in Germany, FC Schalke, before he moved to Manchester City. So, And he is a German player through and through. He's young. They picked Marco Royce over him, and it's not the talent that I'm really debating because Marco Royce, when he's healthy, is one of the best players at his position. But he gets hurt a lot. Yeah. Like this year he played 17 games, and that's like good for him. So not even like what happens if Marco Royce gets and Germany, I was listening to uh, a podcast earlier today. Germany doesn't really, and the way Germany plays, they don't really have a lot of guys that um, are going to like blow past you pace wise down the pitch. Not anymore. (laughs) Well, like even their top players, like, which we'll get to briefly. They're not pacey guys. They're more technical, physical, uh, strong guys. Yeah. Like, up front, Mario Gomez has been a guy for the last three World Cups for them. I understand having him on there. He can score in a pinch. Marco Royce is, not again, great player. If he, But if he gets hurt, they're going to really <laughs> wish, gonna they really wish Sonic. Leroy Sonic. Because Leroy Sonic can play both wings. He can pass. He can cut inside. He's a good goal scorer. I don't, that, Super pace. That speaks to the depth of this team. The yeah. fact that Leroy Sonic... Leroy Sonic on any other team, basically, in the world would have been on it. Even on teams like Spain. Could have started even he could have even made Brazil's team. Oh no, he could have started on any number of squads. He's that talented. So that's mostly uh, Joaquim Liu, uh, the manager for Germany. Yeah, that's no, mostly his decision. <laughs> so I'm I don't really agree with it. But then you get into their midfield. Their midfield's loaded, stacked. Sammy Kadira been on their team for years. Julian Draxler plays for PSG. Good young talent, stacked. Tony Kroos plays for Real Madrid. He used to play for Bayern Munich. Bees. very good. Metsa Uzel. Plays for uh, Premier League. Premier League. I forget who it is. Uh, Arsenal. Arsenal. Yes. Messi Uzel, very good attacker. Thomas Müller from uh, Bayern Munich, been there his entire career. Fantastic Legend. center forward. Probably my favorite person on this team. Honestly. He's. I love the way he plays. Yeah. Plus, he's a funny guy too. So, like, if you ever get a chance to see any videos with him, he's a really cool guy. He does a lot of good work for uh, the community around around Bayern, around Munich. Uh, Leon Grotzeka from Schalke, who's moving to Bayern Munich. Uh, Sebastian Rudi, good player. Julian Brandt from uh, Bayer Leverkusen. He's more, again, none of these guys are really like fast players. They're just really good technicians, good at passing the ball. 
And then another guy from Manchester City who I really like, Ilkay Undegan. He's a center midfielder, can play up, but he's also a good holding guy. So they have a lot of guys that are good holding, but they also have attackers in Müller and Draxler and Bronze and and Undegan. So they have a good balance. And then they get to their defense. Their defense is really good. They have Hector, who's probably going to start at left back for them. Matias Ginter, who can start at both fullback positions. He can even play center back in a pinch. Matt Hummels, who plays for Bayern Munich, great center back. Nicolas Sula, he's new to the list, but he came over to Bayern Munich this year and had a good debut season. Antonio Rudiger, or no, Sabat, I don't think it's Antonio Rudiger. He plays, yeah, Antonio Rudiger plays for um, for Chelsea. Good, good defender. He'll pro- he probably won't start, but that's just because of the depth of Germany. Right. Then you have Boateng. Jerome Boateng. He will probably start. Sula will probably come off the bench, and then you have Joshua Kimmich, probably one of the best right backs in the world, if not the best right back. Only. T- they have a lot of – they have no one over 30 on their defense. They're all in their primes, okay. all of them. So, And then you get to goalkeeping. Their goalkeeping is incredibly stacked too. They have Manuel Neuer, who just came back from his injury. Probably, the, if not the best goalkeeper in the world, he's right there with David Peya and Tabio Courtois and Allison and those guys. Stacked. Then you have Kevin Trapp, who is for PSG, good goalie. Marc-Andre Ter Stegen for Barcelona, good goalie. Like – if Manuel Neuer gets hurt, I'm not going to say it's it's not going to suck, but they have good goalies. Yeah. So Germany, defending champs, they should easily make it out of this group. That's not to slight the other teams. They should easily get like seven points out of this group. Maybe draw one match. They should win yeah, this group. Yeah, same, same scenario for Brazil as Germany. Top talent. If you're you're expecting nine, seven points, easy. What about Mexico? How, how long are we in? We're 56 minutes in? Almost done, guys. It's all right. Let's say we got uh, El Tri. As we call them here in America, Mexico, always the we can live vicariously through them as America fans. Yeah, since America is not in it, and they got a good old squad. They got a good team. They got a good team. And and again, the thing with this Mexico team is they're kind of old. We've seen a lot of these guys. My man Peralta, Hernandez, yeah, Chicharito, Chicharito, uh, Raúl, uh, Fabian, who's a beast. But yeah. like. They're older. There's not really anything new with this team. Nothing. Not really. They don't. They don't Dos, have a, Dos Santos, who plays in uh, the MLS, who's actually a good player. Did they bring up any youth guys from this team? Doesn't look like it. I don't think they brought. Guardado has been there. Yeah. Uh, Moreno has been there. Herrera has been okay, there. So one defender. They have right? a 39 year old defender on their team. So. Wow. They brought up one defender, maybe. Yeah, Eddie. I'm assuming it's Eduardo Alvarez. Yeah. Edison, Edison Alvarez. I'm sorry. That was racist. <laughs> <laughs> but, um. And then their goalkeeper, I think. Corona. He's not bad, but he's old. Again, All three of their goalkeepers are 37, 35, 32. 32. So, like, they're probably, questionably, they're all, they're, like, they're an old team. And for their goalkeeper-wise, probably all of their last cups are at least looking at it. So, because of that, now, I kind of want to look at Sweden. Let's do it. Because Mexico is probably more talented than Sweden. But they're old. But they're older. And in a World Cup setting where the where they play, the games, it's not the, like the games are longer, but they're more intense. They're more intense. Your, your, your focus, it's not just like the season where you can, not to say that you can take, you know, days off in the season because uh, you can't really, but... It's it's a different intensity in the World Cup, and you feel that pressure like the whole world. Because in group stage, you only get to play three games, so each game is incredibly important. And like, and again, like I just I hate to harp on this point for the listeners, but you, I, I really believe you need a good mix of young and old guys to keep that fire burning with the old guys who can 
in the tough moments, calm the young guys down and let the talent shine through. And then that's where you get these success stories. So you don't want a squad just completely made up of veterans because they can run out of energy quicker, you know? So this Mexico team, uh, it'll be interesting to see what Sweden can do. Maybe they can make some noise here. Yeah, I mean, they have Gidetti, who's a good striker. Their midfield is pretty good. They have Emil Thorsberg. They have Larsen. They have Clayson. I know those guys, those guys are all good. Then up back there, they have one of your guys, Victor Lindelof. Lindelof. Hopefully he does better in international than he did this year. But again, he didn't play that much he this didn't, year. He really didn't play that much. But when he did, he made, he made a few mistakes. But he's a, he's a good center he's back. Young. He's, he's a, 23. Yeah, you know, he's a good center back. Sweden has a good mixture of young talent and veterans. So I think – so this – I'm going to pick Mexico and Germany out of the group. But don't be surprised if Sweden makes it out of the group. Yeah. So – I agree. I'll pick Eltree. I'll pick Die Mannschaft. Which, quick lesson, means the team in German. But uh, Germany should make it out of their match. And based on – they play Mexico right away. So they get their hardest match out of the way right then and there. So if they win, they really just have to win one more match and then hold serve. Like if they beat Sweden, they really could just play their B team against Korea and tie or even lose potentially and just make it just to get their guys healthy. Although I guess it depends on the other guys. Now we have a team that – they're probably my team that I'm rooting for second um, because the United States isn't in the World Cup. Uh, Belgium. This is a weird – I don't know why they put it in this order. Yeah, so we're talking – so we had to talk about Belgium. And Belgium is in their weird group. I don't know why they put it in this order again, but they had Belgium, Panama, Tunisia, and England. Uh, this podcast is getting kind of long, so I think we should try our best to just – Get through these as We're much as we can. We're trying to get through them as quick as possible for you guys. So it's a World Cup preview. We know Belgium. A Belgium has a lot of talent up for, up front with the forwards: uh, Romelu Lukaku from Manchester United, Eden Hazard from Chelsea. Uh, who else am I forgetting? Uh, this is all courtesy of the FIFA.com website. Looking in, if you guys have any questions about players, go ahead and check them out. Yeah, it has all the World Cup rosters and everything you need. Oh, yeah, Michui, Michui Batshui, who was on loan from Chelsea to Dortmund, had a good year. So up front, they're strong. In the midfield, Axel Witzel, good player who can be a depth thing. Best, Probably the best midfielder in the world right now, Kevin De Bruyne, my favorite player, which is probably why I'm rooting for Belgium. It's just because I love Kevin De Bruyne so much. Uh, Fellani from Manchester United. Yeah, great player. Uh, came off the bench for us, but he's he's a good, uh, useful guy for the Belgium squad. He's great for set pieces. He's tall. He's great with headers, so they'll probably uh, deploy him a lot for those purposes. And then we have a couple more guys. You got Carrasco, who's more of a winger midfielder. Torgan Hazard, same thing. Uh, Tielemans, more of a center midfielder, defensive midfielder. Uh, Musa Dembele, not Usmane Dembele. Musa Dembele uh, plays for Tottenham. Actually, a pretty good player. And then I don't know much about Chadley, their uh, midfielder. But then their defense, Toby Anderfield, Thomas Vermeulen, the always injured but good Vincent Kompany, uh, Vertonghen, Thomas Munier. Like, they have a strong defense. Very solid squad, Belgium. And they play back three, Belgium does. I don't understand why. So it'll probably be uh, Anderwild, Kompany, Vertonghen, or if Kompany needs to come in, and spells just to keep them healthy until the knockout stages. They could do that. That's what I would do with them. I would just keep them on the bench and bring them in like 50, 55 minutes into the game just so that way he doesn't hurt himself. But uh, Belgium is a really good team. They deserve to make it out of the group. But at the same time, 
There's England. England's a very good team. This is the team you're going to get the most information on. We know what we're talking about when it comes to England. Yeah, we just watch. We watch a lot of Premier League. It's the Red Bull Podcast, Man U, Man City. So we know the most about this squad just because, like, all of most of our players, favorite players in the Premier League, are on this squad. Um, you got Harry Kane, the goat uh, in the Premier League, anyway. I think uh, for Tottenham, just doing work. Uh, Raheem Sterling for Man City. Uh, had a really great year this year. I don't know how many goals he had, but he had, a, he had, he had in the 20s. Yeah. He was like 21. He had a decent amount of goals. Uh, Jamie Vardy, really solid for uh, Leicester. Leicester City. Uh, he was on that squad that did wonders a couple years ago. Yeah, that 1,001 odds. Uh, Danny Welbeck, still on the squad. Great great, uh, great forward. He still plays for Arsenal. He does, I believe. Uh, and then Marcus Rashford, a young guy from Man U, uh, had a really good year for us. Uh, I was saying he should have been playing more. You've been saying that for a couple of years now, actually. Yeah, and he's really good. Uh, just going into some of the mids, um, Dyer uh, is a beast. He's all he also can play center back. And he, uh, yeah, he can play center back, which I think he did. He uh, does. He for Tottenham, he did both. Yeah, like he played center back, but then they would, they would also use him as a center midfielder or even a center defense midfielder. He's super versatile, super young, really athletic. He actually likes playing midfield better than he does playing center back. So. He'll probably be used more just because they only brought six midfielders with them to the World Cup, which I was a little bit confused about because that's not that many midfielders. It's not that many at all. Like, you should probably have seven or eight and then just have less attacking options. Just have more, But I guess it just really depends on your country yeah. and what your options are. But for the attackers, they I don't think they really needed to add any more attackers. The five that they have are going to be very good, and they don't, play, they don't play three up front. They usually play one or two. So they're probably going to have to play two if they're going to play with, with the – amount of midfielders they have because yeah. they just can't afford to play all those midfielders. And then they have Jesse Lingard, great, good player for Manchester United this past year. Yep. Really improved, I think, under Jose Mourinho this year. And I think he'll be there for the foreseeable future despite all the turmoil that's going on in Manchester United just because of should Pogba stay, should Mourinho stay, all that crazy stuff. And Jordan Henderson, he plays for Liverpool. That's who he plays for. He's... Uh, He's a good center mid, center defense mid, not an attacking guy, but he'll be a good steadying presence because other than Dyer, they don't really have that middle-of-the-park guy. They have a lot of up-the-front guys, like Dele Ali. Yeah. Will play up, he'll probably be the main attacker, setting up things for the Rashfords on the side or Harry Kane in the middle. Like He'll be the big, he'll be the person creating the most. And then Dyer will probably, and Henderson will probably play more of a, uh, of a holding role. If I had to guess, they're probably going to, if they don't play a five- defense thing like they have been. They're probably going to play like a 3-5-2 and using Dyer as like a center defense mid. Yeah. Uh, we Like we kind of mentioned earlier on the podcast, England gets a little weird with formation. Yeah, Gareth Southgate does some weird stuff with his his formation. Yeah, kind of similar to Belgium. So, Yeah, he's actually a good manager though. Like yeah. The Belgium manager. <laughs> <laughs> and then their defense is actually a lot more impressive than I anticipated. Ashley Young, they could play him in midfield, so that's not a big issue. They could play him in midfield and if they need that extra guy. Uh, Fabian Delph, they could also play in midfield, but he was a really good left back this year. But they also have Danny Rose, so they could start Danny Rose and put Fabian Delph and Ashley Young in the midfield, so yeah. maybe that would help offset the midfield issue. Yeah, They have Phil Jones, who hasn't really been that good for club. I don't understand why he's on the national team. Is there really not any better options? 
guess not. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't want to go too hard on my man Phil Jones because I like him so much, but and he's on. The There's squad. a chant for Manchester City where they say, "You signed Phil Jones, we signed Aguero." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like, I hope he does well, just because England has the promise. But at the same time, I just, I'm, it's just kind of confusing to me because he just hasn't. Usually, the way you get picked for national teams is your effectiveness on your club team, and him and Chris Smalling were kind of. Didn't make the national team. <laughs> so he clearly thought Chris Smalling wasn't good. He must have thought Phil, D- Phil Jones had something else. Which is him. just weird because I would have taken Smalling over Phil yeah, Jones. Like they're both not very good. <laughs> but they I would both have taken Smalling. Yeah, they both didn't play very well in the middle. That was like the main issue. Just a quick club thing. That was the main issue for Manchester United this year was their Well, mid- one of them. Yeah, one <laughs> of their main issues was the middle of their defense and their left back. Their defense in general would be something they fixed in the offseason. But to get back to England, uh, Gary Cahill, very – very comparable, uh, competent center back, Karrion Trippier, very good right back, probably the backup though, because they have Kyle Walker, yeah. who played for Manchester City this year, had a good year, played like almost every single game. Uh, Danny Rose, like I said, plays for Tottenham, good start. If not, he'll come off the bench. John, uh, Harry, Harry McGuire, good center back. He plays for Leicester, actually. Yeah, Leicester. And then John Stones, who's went down to being like the third or fourth center back for Manchester City just because of. Laporta and Vincent Company, Nicholas Otamendi, all three playing for well, except for Laporta for some reason, all three playing for their national teams. Yeah. Um, but Stones is very good. He's starting for Gareth Southgate. He trusts. He's like the main guy in the middle for Gareth Southgate's uh, defense. And then in goal, they have William. They have Jordan Pickford probably going to start or Jack Buckland. The main omission this year, finally, no Joe Hart. Finally. <laughs> he has not been good for a few years, and it's sad to say he was a former Manchester City guy. He didn't fit Pep's system. Him and Pep clashed. He left, went to Italy for a little bit, then went to West Ham this year, and then basically lost his job and just has kind of fizzled out. But Jordan Pickford and Jack Butland, both good. Yeah. So whoever starts for them, I think it's going to be Jordan Pickford. Yeah. They're going to be a really strong team. England, if England does not make it out of the group again, Gareth Southgate ain't keeping his job. Nah. I don't think he was the manager for them the last time. So, no. no. That, that show, England has very high standards when it comes to soccer. Like, they're the best league in the world in terms of depth plays in England. So, when you have that that pool to choose from, because a lot, like we said, a lot of these English players are on the English national team. When yeah. you have that pool, you better at least make it to the quarterfinals. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, and, and, while I don't think Group G is anything to slouch at, they they have no excuse, especially after not making it out of the group last year. Well, the crazy the part is going to be that they play each other the last game of the group, right? England Belgium. So for all we know, they'll have it locked up, and it's just going to be for placing. But, but as I've said a couple times, placing means a lot because if you're first in your group, you face the second place team in your group, and there's not really groups of death this year. Yeah. So that second place team might not be as strong as your usual second place team, like. When a second play, like Belgium, when they played the United States, they dodged a bullet that year when they played the United States because they could have played Portugal or they could have played Ghana. And <laughs> either one of them, no disrespect to the United States because they played well that tournament. The United States got played out of their mind to get to that point. Either Portugal or Ghana could have beaten Belgium that year. Yeah. Because Ghana has always historically in the last like four World Cups been one of the best teams in Africa, them in like Senegal. And then when it comes to uh, what was that? What was I saying? Well, I just, blanked out. just going into like uh, the yeah groups. Groups. There's no getting into that. Getting that first place this year is more important 
because you want to face that second place team in the group. Yeah. Unless, because there's only a few groups where there's two clearly good teams in that group, and you're like, like if you're facing the winner, if you're facing the Portugal Spain thing, and when you get one of those teams in the second round, you're like, okay, well, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. But if you're facing a group like the Group A, where it's like, oh, I might get to play like Egypt or Saudi Arabia, you're like, okay, I really want to get first place. Yeah. Like, so that's big. That being the last game of the stage. So there's that group. And then we're finally we're on, we're just about done. Group H might actually be my second favorite group. Like Ger- Germany might be my favorite team. It's one of my least favorite groups <laughs> because like there's really not that much competition, and I like seeing competition. Yeah. Poland, Senegal, Colombia, even Japan, all of them. Pre- the top three, pretty good teams. Japan, not a bad team, just older yeah. and a little bit talent dearth and the younger area. Yeah. So Poland, they have Robert Lewandowski. He's the main guy. Uh, I mean, we know about him. He's... Yeah, and honestly, like, we we were kind of talking about Poland earlier, but, like, uh, they're a little top-heavy in that, like, they're, they're, like, a solid squad. Don't get me wrong. But um, in terms of, like, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? World-class talent, I guess. It's, most, it's just Lua. It's really just Lewandowski. Like, it's really not that much else. Like, it, and no slashes, don't get me wrong, Poland. But, yeah, they have a lot of, like, solid to good players that will prop that will give them a very good chance of making it out. Exactly. Exactly. Then Senegal, Senegal is one of the best teams in Africa led by another once top star player, Sadio Mane from Liverpool. Part of that Roberto Firmino, Mohamed Salah, uh, Sadio Mane trio that rampaged their way to the Champions League final. Most goals ever. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's one of, that's probably the, that was probably the best front three all year in the, in the world. No, they, they were. On <laughs> numbers, they were, but you could even argue just on talent oh, alone. Oh, yeah. Because even Real Madrid, they, yes, there's Cristiano Ronaldo, but Gareth Bale didn't play a lot. Benzema wasn't as good as he usually is. Yeah. Barcelona, they had Messi, and then, okay, who else? <laughs> like, it's just, it's really Suarez, I guess. Yeah. But who had a down year by his standards. Yeah. But, but yeah, Senegal, another strong team. I always like the African teams, because African teams are always really, really tough. They're always very physical. I love watching those games for that pacey, reason. And the pacey, too. Yeah. They're, a lot of them are very fast and very big. They And they tend to have good attackers. They have one good defender that I know of. They have Kubali from Napoli, who's actually being talked about sometimes in like the $100 million transfer range to get moved to a big club because he is that good of a defender. And he was playing well in the Italy, Italy, the top Italy division this year. Senegal has a good chance to make it out of this group. But the favorites in this group, Colombia. Yeah. They're... South America has Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay, Colombia. I think Colombia is probably the second best team in South America. Right now, probably. Like, Argentina, because Argentina is just so. Like we said earlier, they're unpredictable. They're unpredictable. They're not as reliable as you want them to. Their coach is ridiculous. Their coach is ridiculous, and they're older. Yeah. Colombia is solid across all the boards. They don't really have a weakness. Their goalkeeper, Ospina, isn't great in club. But he has played better in the international, and that actually happens a lot, believe yeah. it or not. There are some guys that just aren't great at clubs, and they perform out in international, and vice versa. And like we said earlier with Germany, that's kind of why like Leroy, Sa- Leroy Sané got left out. That's pro- that's my reasoning why he got left out. Yeah. He never played very well in the international competitions, so it doesn't matter if you play well in your club. If you can't impress in the friendlies and in the qualifications, you're not going to play. Right. So Colombia has a lot. Colombia has players that do very well together. They have young talent, but they also have a lot of older guys. Their their center backs are really good. Two up and coming stars, Davison Sanchez and Ursi Mina, 
One for Barcelona. He played a lot. He didn't start, but he played a lot. Then Davidson Sanchez, one of the better center backs in England. Then they have James Rodriguez, who was the breakout star of the 2014 World Cup. Yeah. Got Colombia far in that World Cup, scored six goals. Didn't play that much attacking mid this year. No. He was in he he's on two year loan at Bayern Munich because for some reason, uh, who was it? Real Madrid. Real Madrid yeah. decided he's not good. <laughs> so they sent him on loan. I'm like, okay, I mean, I get it. It's Real Madrid. They have a lot of attacking options. Yeah. He played deep and he was very good at it. So that I could see that this year for him, like playing a little bit of that role, but still being that distributor. Yeah. He's by no means a defensive stout, but he's able to sit back and let the game come to him. Yeah. Kind of play like the De Bruyne role. Okay. Like De Bruyne was a little bit more of a center midfielder that played a little bit back, but is able to get up quickly, use himself in the middle. And he also is pacey. He very pacey. He can get on the wings if they need him to. Yeah. But they do have Quadrado, who's good on the wings. And they have Falcao up front, who will finally get to play in a World Cup because he got yeah, hurt. He was hurt last but time. when he plays, he's very good. He's one of the guys who's very good international. Colombia is the favorite. Yeah. And then Japan has like Kasawa, Kagawa. They have Kaisuke Honda. They have. Uh, Who's still playing? Believe yeah, it or not. Like, I feel like he's been playing forever. They have, Honda like, is still playing. They have some solid guys, but they don't have a lot of top end talent. And yeah. while they play a lot together, it's just the top, the other three teams in the, in the group are just going to be really tough for them. So I'm going to go Colombia. And Senegal, just because I always have a preference to the African teams, usually, especially in and in this group, especially, I just really, really like Senegal, and I think they'll. I don't know how far they'll make it, but they'll make it at least at the group stage, probably barely. I'm going Colombia, and uh, I think I'm going to go Poland, honestly, because I like this Senegal team. They're like Graham was saying; they're always one of the best uh, African nations. Um, but this Poland squad, I, I like. I like Lewandowski. They're a solid squad. They're not. They're top heavy, but they're a solid squad. I don't know too much about Senegal other than the cliches I always know about their national team. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I, I, I'm my gut's telling me Poland. So I'm gonna go Colombia, Poland. Well, there you have it. And all, uh, and all, that's, and that's all, all the groups, all eight groups, all sixteen teams. We could go through them, but that's we pick some different teams, and plus that's just a lot of names. Um, plus you were listening, plus you know what we picked. <laughs> uh, this is going to be our longest podcast. We apologize for the length of it, but at the same time, we want it. This is a World Cup preview. We had to get into every single group. We wanted to talk, highlight the big groups. At least we didn't talk about every single team because yeah. that would have taken, taken two hours. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a great World Cup. I'm really excited for it. I think there's a lot of chance for pandemonium because of the lack of star of groups that have multiple good teams. Some teams have, there are a lot of groups that have one good team, like one really good team. And then the rest are kind of a crapshoot. Yeah. And then, but there's only a few that have like two really good teams. And even some of the groups with really good teams have like uh, older teams, like uh, Mexico and uh, Argentina, for example. So I think uh, like Graham was saying, I think it should be a really good world cup. They're, the groups are really even this year. There's no real standout group of death per se, just a lot of talent all over the board. So it should be a really good World Cup, and I know I'm excited. So, so I mean, that's our sports part, and uh, we have a music person on from Tree City Records. So you don't have to hear me and Andrew talk about Tree City Records. Oh, I'm telling about Tree City Records. Hey, it's your boy. So you already know it's monolithic, Tree City Records. Um, follow Tree City Records on everything, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, everything. Uh, follow Tree City Records. Um, 
TreeCityRecords.com. Join the Tree City Records street team uh, for updates on podcasts like these, uh, any updates to the site, uh, all music updates, uh, the SoundCloud, Tree City Records, uh, SoundCloud.com, whatever the link is. Uh, it's all Tree City Records, but I'm sure you guys are already following. I just want to appreciate, uh, I just want to say, that I appreciate everybody who listens to us. Uh, Midnight Sky just got over a thousand plays. Yeah, I was about to say that. Olam has the highest plays of not because the other artists in the group are not good, but he has over a thousand plays in multiple countries. Yeah, Midnight Sky is, is getting some play over there. Not, I'm not really too mild horn because we haven't taken off or anything, but right. it's getting plays. But that's 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 also awesome. it's cool. Um, but enough about me. Check out everybody because everybody's yeah. dr- dropping a lot of new music. Biggs just dropped a song. Ozzy just dropped the song. I dropped the song. Zell dropped the song. Everybody's dropping. Kid. So Kid dropped the song. Every Kid dropped two beat tapes. So everybody should just check out Tree City Records and join the street team for updates on everything Tree City, uh, including podcasts like this. Yeah, there is a music podcast that comes on every every so often. I appeared on the last one they did. I think we need to do one soon just because of all the craziness of music, but that's something to discuss on that podcast. Yeah, we definitely, we we were talking about it. We definitely need to get into it. So yeah. y'all, y'all be getting another episode listen of the LSD for, podcast soon. Yeah, listen for that. I'll probably be on it just because I like talking music too. But again, thank you for listening. Uh, the next podcast will probably be probably after the first two games of the group stages for all the teams, just so we aren't just harping for too long. But uh, again, thank you for listening. And I'm Graham Moen. That's Olam. Monolithic, your boy. Thank you for listening to the Red and Blue podcast, and we'll see you all soon. Peace.